Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who's going to be somebody's only light. He's going to shine tonight. Yeah, he's going to be somebody's baby tonight. Here's my co-host from the left coast, Wayne Fugate. Oh, hold on, Ben. I mean. It was either going to be those lyrics or I was going to use something from Rosie. (laughs) Possibly more appropriate. Yeah, maybe. All right. So for this episode, we have a special guest. He's put out a number of records under his own name, but you can also find him on, on Spotify as part of the band aptly titled The Brooks Hubbard Band. Please welcome to the podcast, Brooks Hubbard. Hey, guys. How's it going? Going well. How are you? Oh, doing okay. Holding up, you know. All right. Good, good. Well, I'm sure we'll 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 talk about uh, what you're doing in this downtime. So we'll we'll get there. Yeah. But premise of our podcast fairly simple. We talk about music, but as we do at the beginning of each episode, I ask the all important question. Let's start with Wayne. What T-shirt are you wearing? I am wearing a Brian Dunn Selling Things T-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Two time revisitor. That's awesome. All right, Brooks. How about you? What T-shirt are you wearing? Okay, so I have a uh, Dead and Company t-shirt on that uh, unfortunately is not was not sold at the merch booth. Uh, it was sold uh, in line getting tickets for the show. Um, I took my fiance to uh, a Dead and Company show a couple years ago, uh, right, be- right before Thanksgiving in uh, Connecticut. So, uh, all right, really nice Dead. And- yeah, my favorite tie dye shirt. So, little bootleg in action. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah, guy with the t-shirts on the back, you know, in the parking lot kind of thing. That's right. That's right. Good, good. <laughs> was uh, was John Mayer part of that group? Yes, he was. Yep. Okay. All right. Yeah. Nice. We've done, we've done a we've done a John Mayer episode. So. Yep. All right. Well, um, I'm super boring, Wayne. I'm. I just pulled out of the closet this morning one of my Wilco shirts. So. <laughs> I didn't take much thought to this. I don't know how I tie any of my shirts to Jackson Brown, though. <laughs> well, I, I like I say, I did because Brian Dunn, we did uh, Late for the Sky with on his first time on the show. Yes. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, I got I got a bigger selection of T-shirts, too, so it's easier to tie stuff in. That, that's that's true. I bought Brian's vinyl. I didn't buy a T-shirt to go along with it. Oh, yeah. And I'm, I'm a... I'm assuming you bought the shirt, shirt, but didn't. Yeah. Okay. So we, we probably, we probably <laughs> should have coordinated this. And got that, the, huh? Okay. We sh- probably should have done the bundle together, but yeah, that's true. We didn't. Probably would have saved money though. That's all right. Well, Brian selling things. So there you go. Um, fair warning. I am super tired tonight. I don't know if you can sense <laughs> that in my, in my voice. So Wayne, um, if uh, you know you stop talking during one of your lyrical analysis during during the album portion, and I don't I don't answer, you might need to shout my name. Ah, uh, falling asleep. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I guess you could say I'm running on empty. Yeah, that's what oh, it sounds wow. like. There it is. Yeah, that was my dad joke. I was just gonna say. <laughs> All right. So so Brooks, you were a referral from Liz Longley. That's right. Yeah. We love Liz. And her fiance, Patrick. So, um, yes, I was, I was just going to say you two have the same management, which just happens to be Liz's fiance. Yeah. Yeah. Patrick, uh, you know, we kind of 
just got connected right before this whole thing uh, went down. So we've yet to really do anything together, but uh, it's been great uh, getting to know him and, and, uh, and Liz is amazing. So. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, so give me your story. So you're originally from New Hampshire. Yeah. But you're now in Nashville. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, in New Hampshire right now during this whole thing, but uh, still have a place down in Nashville and uh, moved down there about five years ago and uh, just been, you know, doing the thing, writing songs and touring around the country and and trying to make a buck and, and uh, survive, you know? So, and how's that going with the pandemic? It's been okay. It's been, uh, it's been different. You know, I'm trying to learn the whole streaming thing. I've been doing a weekly show on Facebook and YouTube and just trying to connect with people, uh, any way I can. Um, but it's been, it's just been weird. And I, I'm sure a lot of other artists have felt like a, um, kind of a lack of inspiration in a lot of ways, um, that this world is just unfolding and, on fire in front of us. Uh, it's hard to, it's hard to react to. Um, but, uh, but I think I'm hopeful, you know, I'm hopeful. I, I read something that Facebook is, is going to stop allowing musicians to do their little live things. Yeah. So how's that, how's that going to affect things? Are you just going to push it all over to YouTube then? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't, I've been looking uh, more into that. Um, I thought it was originally addressing playing like recorded music or things that are copywritten. So I don't know if I could get away with, uh, you know, just doing my own material or, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't really know what that uh, addresses. So I I hope not that, uh, you know, I hope they resolve that. That's unbelievable because that's been my, that's been my whole thing this yeah. uh, you know, past six months. So yeah. yeah, apparently they're only allowed to make money. You're not right. Yeah. 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 So, so what's the music scene like in New Hampshire pre pandemic? Did you have to go to Boston to, to play or was there actually some kind of scene where you grew up? There's a scene it's, you know, it's more of the bar singer kind of, uh, scene, but, um, there's some really great, uh, you know, songwriters up here and and great singers and, and musicians and stuff. Obviously, uh, Boston is the closest kind of mecca um, to go seek out and, and find people, um, which I didn't do that much of uh, when I was living here. Um, kind of just darted right to Nashville and actually was originally planning to move to the West Coast Um when, uh, you know, we had our eyes set, uh, my fiance was my girlfriend uh, at the time and we were looking at Los Angeles and I stopped in Nashville to, to visit a friend and he was like, why don't you just stay here, man? Like what, you know, why do you have to drive further? And, uh, a lot of things were happening at that time, but it was, it made a lot of sense. So we moved there, uh, instead. Economically, it's probably better in Nashville. Economically. Uh, yeah. And proximity, obviously to, uh, being able to drive up to new England, um, in a day, I guess, you know, 16 hour drive, 17 hour drive, but, um, yeah, so it's a lot of things and in Nashville, uh, you know, New Hampshire is, is very rural. So, uh, I grew up in a, grew up in the woods, you know? Um, so Nashville, you can still get a little piece of that if you, if you want it, you know? Yeah. So I'm, I'm assuming that, um, a song like hometown where nothing 
changes. Yeah. That's that's probably pretty <laughs> autobiographical then. It is, yeah. Yeah, that song uh started as like kind of like a joke. Um I played this this local gig and and uh all my high school classmates uh parents were there. Um but none of my <laughs> classmates were there and it was kind of like this weird like am I just hanging out with the parent crowd now? Uh, is that like what I do? Um so on the way home I I, I was just thinking about this kind of funny country song sort of idea. Um, and yeah, that's where I came up with, uh, with hometown. Uh, it's very autobiographical. Yeah. So how many stoplights in your hometown? <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't know if there's any actually, uh, I have maybe one. I can't think of any right now though. Okay. Yeah. Uh, when I was listening to it, Wayne, I got a very um, Tonino Washington vibe about it. There's two stoplights there, right? Uh, no. There is a there's a blinking there's a blinking light right outside of t- actually there's two blinking lights. You're right, but <laughs> there's no no real stoplights. It's just a blinking light of caution. You're about ready to whip right through this town. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, the, anyways, sorry that was in the side, Brooks. That's my, beautiful. Uh, hey, any relation to the, you know? Yeah, my my my. Uh, I grew up in Tacoma, but when I moved away to college, my parents decided to move to their property, which is about an hour south of Tacoma, which is in the middle of nowhere. And so, every time when I I come. Yeah, I'm doing the air quotes right now. When I come home, it's not really home. I'm I'm coming to see my family. It's not really home. So right. anyways, I kind of bad mouth Tonino Washington, but <laughs> nobody nobody from Tonino Washington is listening to this. So it's all good. <laughs> I guess my brother Dave might listen to this, but I don't think he's a Jackson Brown fan at all. So <laughs> Sorry, sorry, one. sorry, Brooks. Yeah, he's <laughs> probably okay. going to forgo this one. <laughs> All right. Well, I read on your website a little about your 2017 record, American Story, that um, you uh, you got hooked up with Val McCollum, who yeah. is part of part of Jackson Brown's band. So, t- tell me how that came together. Uh, so Val um, Val bought a house here in Vermont, which is, uh, you know, I'm from Enfield, New Hampshire, which is right on the Connecticut river. And, um, about six or seven years ago, um, Val moved to the area or at least, uh, you know, seasonally. Um, and, uh, I met him through a mutual, uh, musician in town, um, that knew him from back in the day, 
values to spend summers and uh, I think some winters here when he was younger uh, and got hooked up in the music scene here. And there's this guy, this kind of local legend. We've got some local legends, uh, you know, in the music world uh, up here. This guy, Davey Davis um, of the Davis Brothers Band found Val he was, as a 17 year old kid and um, they just kind of linked up and started playing music when he was younger and, you know, forever um, had, he had this, had kept this connection here in Vermont, um, this local scene connection. So uh, when I was coming up, uh, you know, I, I played in uh, Davy's brother, Rick, uh, Rick Davis's band and played guitar. And when I was about 15, 16, um, so it was sort of, we had these kind of similarities in our story and uh, about five, six years ago. Yeah. We, we met up for the first time. He actually came to a, concert I was playing, I was re- releasing uh, my album Star to Me and was playing all original music, which he he just assumed it was like another bar gig, like uh, like most right. things up here. Um, and he walked in and and man, it was just uh, it was just fire. Like the, the whole thing was just incredible. And, and we had this real chemistry. We really felt this bond. Um, and, you know, backstage that day when I first met him, he's like, man, we got to do a record together. So that's where that started was in uh, 2015. He, uh, we, we, we met each other for the first time and, um, Val had me, had me out to Los Angeles and in, uh, 2017 to record that record. And I was just pinching myself the whole time and, uh, just being around all, all the, all the amazing people there. So all right, so so I got to ask. So uh, you you listed with the help of friends Bob Glob, Pete Thomas. Yeah. Is that is it the Pete Thomas? Yeah, the Pete Thomas. Uh, really, Elvis Costello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was a treat. <laughs> That's awesome. And then Jeff Babco, who I had to research, and once I realized, I'm like, oh yeah, I've seen him before. Yeah, seen and heard him, you know. Yeah, yeah, he's part of Jimmy Kimmel's uh, band, right? Right. Yep, part of Jimmy Kimmel. He's done with done uh, tours with James Taylor, and yeah, very nice. Big lineup. Val Val keeps good company. So Wayne must be on mute because he hasn't. He didn't say a thing when I said the P. Thomas. <laughs> oh, I I I had like an aneurysm. I think <laughs> Wayne is the resident. Uh, Elvis Costello super fan here. Oh wow! Oh, absolutely, greatest living songwriter. Um, all right. So <laughs> from that record, you have a song called "We Won't Tolerate It." Yes. Think you were a little ahead of the curve with your protest songs. Oh man! Well, that yeah. Because I feel like 2020 has been the year of the protest song since maybe I don't know Wayne um, <laughs> late late 60s, early 70s, Nixa era. Yes. <laughs> 68 yeah nixon era um yeah so did did you see something that uh maybe we missed when you wrote that song i got really inspired by the uh standing rock protest going on in um okay um, south is it south dakota south dakota yeah yeah um yeah it just uh you know it was one of those times that um i just got really inspired and, and quickly wrote something down and uh, I'm, I'm big into, you know, b- being big into Jackson Brown. Uh, he's certainly a, 
uh, an amazing activist uh, for the environment, for civil rights, and you know, um, and he's got some great protest songs. So yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was just a quick inspiration um, from that movement. But and, and I've been playing that a lot more this year, and it just feels too real. And um, but it's a way to it's a way to cha- to channel uh, some of that aggression, I guess. play other protest songs that maybe you're covering from other people during your sessions um i mean like ohio and uh like yeah. that ohio that that story of ohio of neil going in the woods and and writing this thing is uh that's just one of the coolest uh yeah i think that's stories. the number one that's the number one protest song of all time i think yeah i think so just yeah for my money yeah i, I would agree yeah all right, so you don't have any bio info on Spotify. Yeah, I got to figure that out. Okay, all right. So <laughs> just just giving you a little uh, uh, nudge in that direction. You you do also have two different accounts on Spotify. So right. give me the reasons between the account for just Brooks Hubbard and the account for the Brooks Hubbard band. Uh, honestly, it's a you know failure of of knowing you know of knowing how to do all those things uh, really, you know, it's just me running things um, in a lot of ways. So we, we became the Brooks Hubbard band uh, a couple of years ago. And that was that everything that was that recorded in, uh, under the Brooks Hubbard band is me, Justin Kimball on bass and Nate mold on drums. So it's, and uh, our friend um, Dylan Jones on keyboard. So that's kind of like the, we wanted to keep that project as sort of like a separate thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's been told many times that uh, one account, you know, Jason Isbell is like the one guy that people will go to both accounts to uh, listen to all the music. So <laughs> I gotta, I gotta be Jason Isbell too. There you go. That. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, lofty ambitions. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like you're on your way. I I did listen to American Story quite a bit. I didn't know about oh, the thanks. dual accounts, and uh, I would say I listened to your first two records a lot. Uh, I've listened to your first two records, and then I listened to American Story. And I there's definitely uh, you can hear the Jackson Brown influence on it, um, and definitely feels like a um, like the, the some bigger top, some heavier topics, a little a little darker than the original, the, the first two albums. Um, but I, I really liked it. I loved, I loved, was it blood in the cotton field? Yeah. Like that was, that's a great song. Just like, um, cause it's from the perspective of the Confederates, which is a brave stance to take. Right. But <laughs> I like the idea that in war, 
it's just a bunch of 18 year old men trying to stay alive. They really, what the, the ideology is out the window and it's all about surviving. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, I mean, you were mentioning, we won't tolerate it, uh, being early for the, you know, this movement now, I guess blood in the cotton fields is a little, it's been a little, I've been timid to play that one, uh, right now. Um, just cause just for fear of misrepresentation or interpretation, but, um, sure. But yeah, that song came from, uh, there's a battlefield outside of Nashville in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, uh, called the Stones River Battlefield. And I visited there many times, uh, um, big fan of history and Civil War history. Uh, and that's like the first battlefield I've ever uh, been to. So um, walking around, I, there was this plaque that said blood in the cotton fields and it had this, this picture painting, um, you know, you're looking out on this field. Uh, and it said 81,000, you know, men were fighting each other in this field right here. And it just uh, started writing itself kind of right there. So, yeah. yeah. All right. So you already brought up, Wayne, the Jackson Brown influences. So I got to ask about on the Brooks Hubbard band Spotify. So there's a song called Wings of Forgiveness. And that sounds more like a Bob Seger song because you have that cool 80 sax going on in that song. Oh yeah. Thank you. So, so is there a saxophonist in your band as well? Uh, that saxophone is Alex Blomars, who is, um, follow me here. The, the brother of, so the, the bass player, Justin Kimball, um, his girlfriend is Katie Blomars, who is actually a bass player for a wonderful bluegrass band called the barefoot movement. Okay. And uh, Alex is Katie's brother um, that also plays music. So very musical family. So when, when you're playing this live, do you bring a saxophone player just so I that wish. they can play that song? That would be incredible to, to make yeah. that happen. Yeah. All we right. don't, we don't have the funds for that yet, but <laughs> All right. someday. I'll yeah. Have that we'll have a big man. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I, it, it's probably okay. I don't think Isbell has a saxophonist in his band either. So. Oh yeah. 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 He's got a lot of great <laughs> other great uh, elements to his band. Oh too, yeah. Right? Yeah, so. for sure. So let's, let's get metaphysical or philosophical for, for a few minutes based off of that song then. So does anybody know how to forgive any, anymore? I don't know. It, does, it doesn't appear currently. Yeah, it really doesn't. Um, it's a lost art, isn't it? <laughs> I, I can only hope that we come, we circle back to that, you know, but um, yeah, it's, it's incredibly hard to see right now. What, what is it going to take? Do we, do we just need to get the guy in the Oval Office out? Is that going to solve all the problems and, help us to get to a point where we can forgive. We can look at other people's points of view. Cause I, I have a hard time sometimes with forgiveness, even though I think that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a forgiving guy, Wayne, I think. We're I mean, still I've, friends. So yeah. <laughs> I've forgiven you for all the stupid crap that you've pulled on me over the years. Stupid, shady, whatever. Yeah, I got you. Uh, sorry, Brooks. I'm, again, we're bringing you into this. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't. I don't have a good answer. And uh, you know that 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 song made me 
made me think a little more about, uh, you know, do are are we okay with seeing other people's points of view these days? It just seems really hard to to kind of pull off the blinders and see other people for for who they are and maybe what they stand for as well. There's got to be there's got to be a middle ground somewhere, right? Yeah, I don't, you know, who knows if the the loudest voices aren't the collective uh, you know, mindset, but yeah, it's 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 hard to see um everybody's like so stubborn, you know. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Um yeah. switching gears so what records are getting you through the pandemic what are you what are you listening to these days uh i've just gotten really into marcus king and marcus king band i um actually got (laughs) i got in yeah speaking of uh another two account uh artist right there um (laughs) right but uh yeah i just got to go see him at a drive-in concert here in new hampshire uh which was a really interesting experience. I wouldn't call it a, you know, this it's nothing like going to a concert before the pandemic, but um, it was okay, you know? Um, But he really impressed me and uh, I've been really digging uh, Marcus King lately. So, so, so explain the drive-in things because I, I've, I've seen a few people advertise that they were doing them none of them have really happened down here in Florida because I don't think anybody wants to do a concert in, you know, 95 degree weather with, uh, you know, hundred <laughs> percent humidity. So I'm, I don't have anything to, uh, to, to go by other than I'm, I'm seeing people up in the, you know, the, the East that are, are doing more of these drive-in theater shows or what have you. So, like how far are they spacing the cars apart? Are you able to get out of your car? Like kind of, kind of explain that. Yeah. So I think you're, they're different, uh, you know, depending on what state you're in with the restrictions, but in New Hampshire, they were, you're allowed to get out of your car. Everybody is to the, uh, you know, you, you pull into a space, your tailgate is facing the stage and everybody is to the left of their car. So you have a, 
a vehicle and some and maybe you know another six to eight feet of space between each uh grouping of people um and it's whatever five people that can fit in a car is you know how many people per grouping if you leave that area you're and and it's uh marked with a string and if you leave if you leave the area you have to wear a mask you know to go to um they had porta potties and and uh hand washing stations but the the interesting thing was um well of course you it's byob um Mm -hmm. there's no vendors so you can get you know as messed up as you want to (laughs) i guess uh but I think that's why they kept it to a really short uh, time because it started at eight, it ended at ten, okay. and that was including an opener. Um, oh, opener wow. played like thirty-five minutes, and then Marcus played like an hour, an hour and five minutes. So um, I think that's you know they're trying to keep the crowd uh, sure. aim, I guess. But um, that was weird, a, a weird part about it. And everybody was pretty respectful for the most part, but um, there's there's always the group there's always those people that just walk they're walking around with the mask kind of half on or on their chin or you know nobody's really enforcing anything yeah. so that that got us a little worried and when you're trying to enjoy a concert and you're like paranoid about other people you yeah. know at the same time it it takes away from the experience a little bit so. Yeah, I totally totally get that. What what about the sound system? Like, did were they funneling things through a channel where you could you know plug in your headphones and listen through that, or was it the people who showed up late and were way in the back? Could they? Well, they're different. They're, yeah, there were different like tiers for uh, pricing for the tickets, so you could the people you know parked closer. Okay. Were the you know ten fifteen dollars more, but yeah, they they pumped it through an FM channel, which was off. You know, they had speakers outside, um, and we were kind of in the back, so the radio was just completely delayed with the feed. Yeah. But I'd I'd imagine if you were if you knew about those things and you hooked it up right, you could have a a cool setup. Um, but yeah, the sound was lacking because there's all the cars are just, you know, the sounds bouncing all around in, in the cars. Yeah, and yeah. if you stood up, you could hear it better, but yeah, it was different. Yeah. I think I'm going to pass until this whole crap. <laughs> yeah. That's old, huh? Not no, a bad I, idea. No. I, well, you can, you can tell that Brooks wasn't, you know, he didn't have a, a, <laughs> a dog in this race. So he's like, yeah, <laughs> didn't sell yeah, it. I think that, I think the live streams are better. Yeah. Yeah. Just get a live stream pass and, you know, you could probably watch the same show from your couch. Yeah. Not the same. Not the same until, yeah. Until we can actually do the the real thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Jeff Johnson. And I'm Kyle Jellings. We're just two friends who decided to do a podcast together. Well, actually, I work for you. You can pay your friends, Kyle. People do that. I am contractually obligated to be here. 
On the Who Did It First podcast, we explore the mysteries of the universe. More like just your general curiosities. Do you want to keep getting paid to do this? The mysteries of the universe. This is the Who Did It First podcast on the Outpost Media Podcast Network. On this show, we explore how things got their start. From the first person to milk a cow to the first person to get a haircut, we try to find out who did it first and why and try to have some fun doing it. Subscribe today wherever you download your podcasts. All right. Um, so, Brooks, tell us what record you chose to revisit for this episode. Well, Late for the Sky was already taken by the the great Brian Dunn. So, um, <laughs> but I had to go with another Jackson Brown because he's just uh, JB's the best. Um, so, running on, on empty. Um, I was I was shocked that you guys hadn't done this one yet. So. Yeah, well, we're only 130 episodes into this, so we'll we're getting take, there. We're getting, we're getting there. I mean, we just, we just recorded our first Bowie episode. Oh wow! So, yeah. and uh, so that was that was fan, fantastic. I'm I'm still a little bit on a high, Wayne, from that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Lisa Loeb is a, the best. She's yeah. literally the best. Yeah, she's great. Um. All right. What were some other records besides Late for the Sky that you thought about outside of Jackson Brown? Yeah. Um, I can't remember what I, everything I sent to you, but uh, the records that I grew up on, I mean, it's kind of funny, but it's, I'm, I'm 28 years old. I grew up on all my dad's uh, music. Um, so Late for the Sky, Born to Run, Bruce Springsteen, um, you know, James Taylor, uh, all the all the seventies singer songwriters, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Uh, that's kind of like my my go to, uh, you know, d- deserted island kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, but I what I mentioned, I think Fountains of Wayne, uh, really great uh, record. I I had when I was younger. Welcome Welcome Interstate Managers. Oh yeah, I had mentioned that in the uh, in the email. Yeah. What else did I What else did I say in that email? I think you also oh. said, let me look. Um, Ray LaMontagne's God Willing and the Creek Don't Rise. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Great, great That's record. one of my favorite albums. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, and Jack Johnson, Sleep Through the Static. Yeah. 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 Everything, everything I sent was kind of everything that's uh, had a big impact on me um, yeah. in writing. I just listened to Born to Run today on vinyl. I, I got a cleaner copy because the the first copy that I bought, there was a skip over um, what what is the first track? Thunder Road. Thunder Road. Yeah, there was a skip on that, so I'm like, I got to get a better copy. So I found a better copy, and then come to find out that the first copy with the skip is one of the f- second printings that has John Landau's name incorrect on the back cover. Oh, wow. So John is actually spelled J-O-N. They spelled it J-O-H-N on the first couple of pressings. Yeah. So is that an eBay uh, item? Yeah. That- yeah. I actually, I actually bought a lot of records and it was because I wanted a better copy of Born to Run, but it also included uh, Spandau Ballet's True, which Wayne, you can make fun of me if you want. I don't care. <laughs> 
That's all right. I think that just saying that out loud did that for me. No, I love I love them. Um, and then uh, a very clean copy of Journey's Escape, which I needed on record. So because I no longer best Journey record ever. <sighs> yeah, we're we're not going to go there. We're, let's not let's not do the debate again. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, so so that also included like. Um, there was a Yoko Ono record in there, which I'm going to turn around and get rid of. Yikes. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't good. <laughs> um, there was an Alice Cooper record in there in that lot. There were three Olivia Newton, John records. I'm keeping two of them. Anyways, it was, uh, I find these, these uh, really great lots on eBay where I'm like, all right, well I'll put in a bid. And if I get it cool, if I get out bid, whatever, it's all good. And so I think I won this lot for $17 plus like $10 shipping. And so it was, it was worth it to me. So just for the spandau ballet alone, (laughs) I just wanted to see Wayne's reaction on that. All right. Um, (laughs) I don't have any Jackson Brown on vinyl though. I have, uh, I have, Five five of his records on CD, but no 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 vinyl yet. So better get better get on that. Yeah. How how, how many vinyls you got of Jackson Brooks? Jackson, oh geez, I don't have any of like the newer albums, but I've got all the way up until um, I think Lawyers in Love, which is like mid eighties. I want to say. Yep. Or, yeah, early 80s, I think 80, what, early, 83, early 83, 83, 83. I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely have everyone up until okay. then. So, well, that's pretty much all you need, I think. But then the other ones, you know, on CD. Yeah. Like you. Yeah. There's, I like looking East. That was what, 96. Yeah. And I love I'm Alive. That's probably my favorite Rick Jackson Brown mm. record. Yeah, that's uh, that's high up there. I'm gonna go on. I'm gonna go on record. That is my favorite Jackson <laughs> Brown record. So there you go. Um, that's a great choice. All right. So Brian already took "Late for the Sky" from you. So what would have been your your top pick on "Late for the Sky"? Um, "Late for the Sky" is actually my favorite song of all time. Oh, okay. Uh, Ooh, that, nice that song. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I chose that, but forever ago like since i was like 12 or 13 i think uh that song it's just it's been my stop and stop me in the tracks kind of you know uh song so okay yeah and that was i'm looking at our scores from that episode so wayne that was that was our that was my favorite that was our top song uh brian brian also gave it a uh his highest score um, I did not. I said for a dancer was my favorite song on that record. Another great one. Yeah. yeah. So I guess I'll just get it out of the way. I already texted Wayne earlier today and I said, you and I have never agreed on a score for a Jackson Brown song. This we've done two records now of Jackson Brown for episodes. And then we also did the fast times at Ridgemont high soundtrack. And we didn't agree on the score for that one either. So I gave that, well, that w- goodbye. Goodbye ends the record. I don't even know how you, you got to give it extra points for that. 
I, I guess, but somebody's baby is the best song on that record. Yeah. <laughs> See, we're, we're already disagreeing. We haven't even jumped into this record. It was, it was close. Uh, I'm just saying it was okay. close. All right. Uh, so should I get some, let's, let's get some bio info on the record. So running on empty is the fifth album by Jackson Brown. What's interesting about this is it's, it's, Featuring songs that are recorded live, do you call do you call recording a song in a hotel room a quote unquote studio song? No, it's recorded live. Yeah, I don't know. So you call it record a live recording as well because it was recorded in yeah. the Best Western hotel room, whatever the bus or in the green room. Yeah, no, it's recorded live. Okay. They didn't. They didn't track it. It's not like they had a guitar player playing playing to a track. No, it's recorded live. All right. I think that's to me. That's this is called. I'm sh- I'm sure this is on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Records. I think he deserves extra points for concept because that's not easy to pull off. Mm. Number two, he gets extra points for a concept nobody ever thought of. And three, he should get extra points for execution because he put. This is definitely an example of the whole being more than the sum of the parts. Well, then you're really going to hate Rolling Stone's top 500 records of all time because it is not listed. Really? This is not listed. There are three Jackson Brown records that are in the top 500. This is not one of them. I'm shocked and dismayed. Mm. All right. So Late for the Sky is the top jackson brown record based on the the rolling stone top 500 that's number 375 the pretender is 391 and then for every man is number 450 wow i I just i'm i am shocked by that i think this is i'm surprised that this is not on that list now the whole list is called into question (laughs) <laughs> well, we've called we've called the list into question yes, for we have already done many this. an episode. Um, all right, as far as the chart position, so this peaked on the Billboard album chart in 1978 at number three. It uh, it did give Jackson a couple of Grammy Award nominations, and I want to throw these out to you guys to see if. Um, if you agree with the, the the Grammy voters, he didn't win for either one. So album of the year, here were the nominees. You guys ready? Ready. Ready. There's two soundtracks on this. Saturday Night Fever and Grease. And then there's the Rolling Stones, Some Girls. Which, what's on that record, Wayne? Shattered. Okay. Uh Ain't too proud to beg. Girl with the faraway eyes. All right. Uh, Before they make me run. And then the last album of the year nominee outside of Jackson, Even Now by Barry Manilow. (laughs) Whatever. What do you, what do you think won (laughs) from those nominees? What, what won from album of the year? Grease. Yeah. If it better not be (laughs) Barry Manilow. That's all I'm going to say. It's not Barry Manilow. Thank God. Saturday Night Fever won. Wow. That's upsetting. So he was also nominated for Pop Male Vocalist. Yeah. Okay. Guys ready for these nominees? (laughs) Barry Manilow, Copacabana. (laughs) 
Oh, you're killing me. Gino Vanelli. Gino Vanelli, I Just Want to Stop, which that's a great song. Strong words, but okay. Wayne, that's a great song. Is his best song not Black Cars? No, I think I Just Want to Stop is his best song. Black Cars is great too, but no, that's not it. Uh, Dan Hill, Sometimes When We Touch, which that's awful. Uh, Jackson Brown's Running on Empty. And then Jerry Rafferty, Baker Street, which that's a great song too. And, and that that has that great 70s sax in it, like <laughs> we talked about earlier, Brooks. All right, what do you guys think, One Pop male vocalist. Dad, you know what? I Barry Manilow. Yeah, it was Barry Manilow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Copacabana. Come on. Yeah, that is a hit. It is. All right. Um, what else? What else on uh, Running on Empty? Oh, here's a fun fact. Did you know that the album cover can be seen hanging by the front door in the apartment of Mork and Mindy? I I heard I read that on Wikipedia. I think I don't know if it's true. I haven't watched Mork and Mindy in forever, so we'll 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 yeah. we'll say that Wikipedia is correct <laughs> for this uncredited one. source. But yeah, 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 exactly. All right. Um, so as a reminder, our scoring is based on number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many songs on this record? Ten. Which means our top song is going to get ten points. Next favorite nine on down to the lowest score of one. Let's hit it off. This is running on empty. And I'm going to credit all of the all of the recording location. So this was recorded live in August of '77 at the Merriweather Post Pavilion in Columbia, Maryland. I have no idea where that is. I didn't look that up. I'm assuming somewhere between Baltimore and Washington D.C. Maybe I don't know. Anyone? Anyone good with geography? I am not current. I'm not current on the Maryland. Yeah, area. not sure. All right. All right. Um, running on empty peaked at number 11 on the billboard singles charts. Um, you guys realize that it takes 30 seconds before the music actually starts up on this song. Yeah. And I believe on one of the re one of the remasters, they cut it out or something they on something they cut it out i think they did the single version so the single version is four minutes and 49 seconds so they they definitely i want to say it was one of the box or was something that came with a dvd like the they they cut it out of this the cd but they left it on the dvd i was reading something about that it's inconsistent but okay i think it's i think for the concept it's crucial it's a crucial way to start it out. Cause like I say, this whole thing is recorded live in, in various locations, um, in various kinds of locations. 
Um, and this is a great like opening statement to this to this whole concept. This that that this this life on the road uh, statement. And like I say, and I like the way that it, it's a song about life on the road, but it also has broader uh, meanings for you know people who aren't musicians. So it really does have. It, I mean, it really captures dissatisfaction and disillusionment and and exhaustion. Like how I'm feeling this evening. <laughs> in, a, in a different kind of exhaustion, but oh, yes. okay. Exhaustion right. nonetheless. Uh, yeah. More of an emotional exhaustion. But, uh, and lyrically, that's it's just, it's some of the stuff that he comes up with. Got to do what you can just to keep your love alive, trying not to confuse it with what you do to survive. I mean, as a music, I mean, and I'm sure Brooks can speak to this better, but as a as an artist, you there's going to be times where you have to reconcile what you do to make money and what you, you know, what you want to make that probably isn't going to make you any money. Right. Yeah. Deal with that. Uh, it, you know, I wholeheartedly feel this, this song, um, back to your point about the, the intro thing too. Uh, I thought it was just such a, it was all, it's always such a cool, uh, way that it, people are shouting out, you know, songs and, and they just, launch into this thing that just explodes right you know in your ears and um obviously it was intentional uh to to create that that moment and maybe people when they first played this record they thought there was something wrong with their system so they turned the volume up like all the way and then <laughs> it just like it just hit them in the face so um i feel like that wasn't that was very intentional yeah that's that's great i hadn't even thought of that aspect um how how good is this band though oh the section oh yeah they're, they're solid it's the yeah. this is the immediate family so there's danny korchmar on on guitar david lindley who does a lot of different guitar on this one he's doing the, the lap steel um i didn't know craig do 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 how do you pronounce that wayne i heard dirgy like oh, dirgy yeah. Okay. So he's on piano. Leland Sklar, of course, on bass. Um, he's a legend. Russ Kunkel, also a legend on Toronto. legend. Um, and then Rosemary Butler, who um, she's done a ton of, of stuff. Um, and then I guess Doug Haywood is also on background vocals for this song. So you got a lot of legends. I mean, I, I wonder, I wonder how many how many millions of copies of records those guys have been on? Mm. Ah. I mean, all yeah. of the Linda, all the Linda Ronstad records that I gush on Wayne. I mean, those, a lot of those guys are on. So, all right. Anything else on running on empty? And once again, he just lyrically, this is such a strong song. One of my favorite lines is I don't know when that road turned onto the road I'm on just that, that I don't know how I got here. Like, I was on this road and now here I am. How did I get here? He, he does a lot of stuff. Uh, and there's another line of like, I look around and the friends that I used to turn to, to pull me through looking into their eyes, I see them running too. like, it's, this is just, uh, this is timeless stuff. It's as relevant today as it ever was. You know, when you look to the people around you that, that kind of keep you going and push you forward and they have the same deer in the headlights look as you do. Yeah. All right. Let's get some scores. Wayne, your score. 
I will say this. There are conditions. This is my top score, but only because two other tracks are not combined as one. Yeah. Okay. Brooks? This is also my top score. Um, start, you know, what better than to start off the record with just this this banging? Like I said, it's just uh, I can't, you know, can't not give it a lower, uh, a, a better score. So. All right. And this is my six. <laughs> not, not that I don't like it. I, you are kidding me. I love the song. Oh my god! I love the song, but there are there are a few songs that I like more than it. So make fun of me all you want. You just I, because you made fun of me with Spandau Ballet, I might I might adjust a couple other scores just to piss you off too. Feel like your your love of Spandau Ballet has clouded your judgment. I I am shocked. I'm literally shocked. All right. Well, I don't care. All right. Next song, The Road. You forget about the losses. You exaggerate the wins. When you stop, let them know you got it down. It's just another town along the road. And this is a cover of a Danny O'Keefe song. I had to look up Danny O'Keefe because supposedly he, the, Wikipedia says he's no, best known for his hit single, Good Time Charlie's Got the Blues, which was a top 10 hit back in 72. I didn't know it. Did you know that song? Do either of you know that song? I did not know that song. I looked at the list of people who've covered some of his songs. I never got a, the only song of his that I did listen to was this one because I I kept asking myself why don't I like this song as much as I I feel like I should. Number one is the abrasive violin that is in the first three minutes. That <laughs> is part of it. Secondly, because it is a good song and lyrically when you read it, it's a good song. And I listened to the Danny O'Keefe version and I like I like that much better. And what I came to realize is this doesn't sound like Jackson Brown. Like it's not his voice. Um, he has, there is something about Jackson, like you recognize a Jackson Brown song. And so for him to do this, he just, and I think it's key to the concept. Cause I mean, this whole, I mean, this is ultimate, I mean, this is life on the, this is about, you know, this is a musician's life and mm-hmm. it kind of just runs through the whole thing. And the good parts are the bad parts, and so I think it's key to the concept. But I don't, it, I couldn't, I couldn't put it. It just didn't feel like a Jackson Brown song. So I think it's important, but it didn't. I didn't put. I couldn't see him singing it, and I, I really and that violin. There's like, and they clearly. It's almost like someone says, "Hey, man, let's back down on the violin because at three <laughs> minutes they put it into a nice, nice place." Well, okay, so. That's probably Lindley on the fiddle. Yeah. Yeah. And when you say that uh, at three minutes, so at three minutes, so up to two minutes and 58 seconds, that is a recording from, let me get this right, room 301 in the Cross Keys Inn in Columbia, Maryland. The rest of the record, though, the rest of this song was recorded live at the Garden State Art Center in New Jersey. Yeah, and somebody mixed the violin correctly. Okay, <laughs> that makes sense. I was okay. So, is that a good 
production choice to do a little bit of this. We recorded this magic in room 301, and now I'm going to show you the magic from the stage. I mean, is that, do you like that? Or I guess based off of your vitriol, Wayne, you don't like it. I don't think vitriol is is the the correct word, but I didn't say anything good about the first three minutes. So I feel like I would be, I'd be pandering if I, if I backed out of that now. So while it's an interesting idea, I, without the ability to mix that violin back, it, it took over. So I obviously have uh, my own connections being a, a musician. So that's the whole concept of, of this song is what uh, really captures me. The, the kind of eerie late night motel room sort of vibe um, is just like such a cool thing. And then I think the, I think the production works for me because it's because of the lyric, like uh, when it stops, let them know you got it down. And then there's that pause and then it's just another town along the road and they're in a different town playing that song. Um, So that's like, that just blows my mind uh, every time I hear that uh, the, you know, the idea to, to mix that that way I thought was pretty cool. But yeah, the, the hotel room uh, thing doesn't really serve a, a great studio um, environment, I guess. So it's the fact that they were consistent with that for this entire record, I think makes it work. But um, yeah, the, it's a little abrasive. The, so you're saying you would never do it on a, on any of your records, the, the hotel room thing or yeah, no, I think I, I think I would if, if it would, if that was what, what we were going for. Yeah. I yeah. think cause that's the, the whole thing about this record is that it captures what it's like life on the road. Yeah. Life on the road. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, you don't have to be Jackson Brown to like feel those things too. Yeah. Put the fiddle player in the bathroom. I, I mean, there's a, there's gotta be a way to, to, to get him back further in the mix, but this is a, and like I say, lyrically a great song. Um, Forget about the losses, exaggerate the wins. That's just good advice. But well, and, but it isn't for the money. I mean, that's a that's another line towards the end, which is clearly. I mean, once again, I think Brooks can speak to this too. You have to if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. I mean, you got to let the money follow it if this is what you want to do. I mean, these guys all became successful, but there was a time when they were playing in bars or they were, they were playing to small crowds, but they would, they, this is who they were. And they, there, there wasn't anything else for them to do. There were no other options in their minds. Absolutely. And I have a feeling that if, if I looked at or I re listened to the episode that we did for late for the sky, I'm going to guess that you dissed on Lindley's fiddle playing on one of those songs too. It's not. A, it's not dissing. It's he's an excellent fiddle player or violin player. I don't have any. I have nothing to say poorly about his ability to play the violin. I think in this case he was too close to the microphone. That's <laughs> that's my criticism in a nutshell. All right. Well, I think you've already explained what your what your score is. But go ahead, tell us your score, Wayne. And like I say, it's my least favorite song, but it's because it doesn't it it doesn't feel it's not in Jackson Brown's voice and but I think it's absolutely intricate to this whole concept. Yeah. All right. Uh Brooks, your score? I gave this I think I might have said 7 in my email, but I I'm giving this a 6. Um 
Okay. I just I, I really like it. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I've always connected with this song. I guess just being a you know traveling uh, minstrel guy. I guess you know it's uh, yeah. All right, this is my two. All right, next song is Rosie. And this was recorded backstage in September of 77. The notes that I saw were in a big rehearsal room in Saratoga Springs, New York, at the Saratoga Performing Arts Center. All right. So one thing I found on the old interwebs, I want to share this with you. So Jackson played this song live for BBC television in 1978 and he introduced it saying this is a true story about a guy i knew he met a really beautiful girl and that's where the sad part comes in (laughs) so i think if bbc really knew that rosie wasn't a real person i don't think they would have let him play it (laughs) like i say these are these are thinly veiled i don't even think you could call them euphemisms i love this song uh, you know, for a lot of different reasons, but I love it from the it's from the perspective of the sound guy because kind of everybody in this in this concept gets a little bit of a shout out with the truck drivers, the yeah. roadies, the band, the fans, and this one is for the sound guy who gives a gives his backstage pass to what sounds like a underage runaway, and then she runs off with Russ Kunkel, and he's left by himself. Yeah, that now I'm. I now I should take credit that I actually wore my Wilco shirt on purpose because they have a song called Heavy Metal Drummer. And the the lyric goes talks about how she fell in love with the drummer, another and another she fell in love with the drummer. So yes. I could I could have t- I could have tied that in somehow and I just wasn't smart enough. Did I did I mention that I'm tired? <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. But what, what what makes this song work for me is the fact that it doesn't, he doesn't, he keeps a straight face, basically. He doesn't let it get comic or novelty. He just, he just tells the story just like it is. And even though, you know what, Rosie's wearing his ring and turning out the light, he never, he doesn't flinch. He's, he keeps a straight face through the whole thing. And I think that's what elevates it. Uh, and like I say, as part of the story, not everybody gets laid. Everybody thinks it on a, in a rock and roll band. There's all kinds of tale. Turns out sound guy asked out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And do we, do we need to explain Rosie? Do you think that there are some uh, listeners out there that just don't get the, the, the sexual innuendo? Let me just see. I could read the, what's like, would it be considered the, uh, the verse? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> but Rosie, you're all right. You wear my ring. When you hold me tight, Rosie, that's my thing. When you turn out the light, I've got to hand it to me. Looks like it's me and you again tonight, Rosie. If if we have to explain it any further, yeah. all right. I don't, I don't. It's I'm just a really, really. I'm a 13 year old boy masquerading as a grown up. So it, this this always makes me laugh. So, and the laugh in the recording are amazing. 
There's yeah. Oh, it's uh, Doug Haywood and uh, I think their photographer singing uh, singing harmonies. Yeah, yeah. It's not even it's not even any members of the immediate family. Those are the two that are providing the uh, the harmony. So. I, I, Wayne, I love the fact that Brooks just let us rattle on about this. He's like, I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to let you guys go for it. I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to be politically correct over here and not say a dang thing. So you've said it all. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. This is my nine Wayne. I only, I gave it a five. I, I, I think it's, I, I like this song a lot, but. No, I didn't. Of course, you gave running on empty a six, so I, I call all your scores into question. <laughs> that's that's all good. Brooks, your score? I gave this a four. All right. Next song is You Love the Thunder. This was released as a third single, the third single off the record. Um, it didn't do much. I guess it, according to Wikipedia, it said it did receive some album-oriented rock airplay, but maybe we were just too young and I didn't recall it because, I don't know, did you ever hear it on? This isn't, of this record, I've, there's only, I guess, technically three songs that I've heard yeah. on the radio. This one definitely stands on its own. And this is the one that listening to it a couple of times, I couldn't believe that the Eagles didn't try to wrangle this away from them because of the harmonies. I could just, I mean, if you could imagine, you know, Glenn and Don and Randy and Bernie doing the harmonies on this, I'm surprised they didn't try to steal it from him. Like, take it easy. Yeah. Brooks, what do you got on? You love the thunder. Yeah. So this uh, was like one of the earlier Jackson songs that I learned because um, my dad's band, um, which my dad was a musician, uh, still is, um, but just uh, you know, weekend warrior kind of kind of guy. Um, his band used to cover the song, and I've got a great recording from uh, from the early '80s of of them doing this song. So I, this uh, this holds a special place in my heart. So very cool. Yeah production for this recorded live in September 77 in Holmdale, New Jersey. I don't know where Holmdale is. Anyone? No. Obviously we have proven that we suck at geography here on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I think the places you're, you're not given. I mean, this is like jeopardy questions. <laughs> what is Holmdale, New Jersey? Um, I do. One thing I want to say is, and I, I feel like, I got a bad rap with David Lindley early on the violin. He, the slide guitar on this really good. is perfect. Yeah. Like, it's subtle enough that it doesn't make it feel like a country song, but it, yet it gives it that it, it's, it's there and it gives it this, this country, like just around the edges part. And conceptually it's, it's once again, for what he's trying to do as a whole, this idea of, of a girl who likes loud and dangerous things, um, but yet is still he's is she still 
this this relationship is still going to take a toll on her every time he leaves. There you go. All right. Scores, Wayne. Six. Brooks. My score is a seven. All right. And then this is my four. Next song is Cocaine. Now I'm losing touch with reality and I'm almost out of blow. Such a fine line. I hate to see it go. Cocaine. Right all around my brain. And not the Eric Clapton song. No, based on uh, Reverend Gary Davis's Cocaine Blues. Yeah. So that's Blues Man Blind Gary Davis. Uh, it said additional lyrics by Brown and Glenn Fry. Which is that's they're all new lyrics. I listened to the Gary, the Reverend Gary oh, Davis okay. version and it's they're all new lyrics. It's I mean he he keeps the same uh, where you kind of rhyme the first two the first two lines together and then you say a mess uh, you know cocaine messing around my brain. They keep that part, but all of the lyrics um as best I could tell in the version I listened to are completely different. So. Okay. Hmm. All right. Brooks, what do you got on this? Anything? It's another one of those great moments that is sort of captured just in, in the audio. You feel like you're in the, like a fly on the wall in, in this hotel room with them. Um, so I, I, I really dig this, uh, this recording. This is recorded in room 124 in August of 77 at the Holiday Inn in Edwardsville, Illinois. All right. So geography, guys, <laughs> do we... He wasn't playing the big towns, was he? Do you know where Edwardsville yeah. is? So I'm going to... No. I actually do know where Edwardsville. That is where Southern Illinois University is located. And that's not too far from St. Louis. There you go. Why do I know that? I don't know. Other than my roommate in college, one of them was from St. Louis. So... Some somewhere along the line, I knew that. Talked about the time they saw Jackson Brown at the <laughs> Edwardsville Auditorium, maybe or Holiday Inn. Maybe, maybe. All right, uh, this is my least favorite song. Um, doesn't do a whole lot for me. I think, I, and at one point, it was mine too. I think because it it does cross the line into comedy, um, but I think, but once again, it started to it grew on me. And it, I think it's once again, I think it's important to the whole overarching concept because they do reference either cocaine or white lines at least four or five times in different songs. So I think it's important. It's important for the overall concept to mention we're doing a lot of blow <laughs> during this whole thing. Yeah. And maybe that I don't know if it was that or if it was that it's it's really a blue song. And, you know, we've already talked about how. I'm not a huge blues guy. And and I didn't know I didn't look at any of the bio info until after I I kind of, you know, went through and kind of figured out what my scores would look like. And I'm like, oh, that totally makes sense that this is my least favorite song, considering that it's really a blues song. So um did I get your guys' scores? Wayne? I gave it a three. And then Brooks? Three. All right. So next song is Shaky Town. And those drivers always ask to hear that same old song. That's a big ten four. 
This is a Danny Korchmar song. Was recorded also in room 124 of the Holiday Inn in Edwardsville, Illinois. Shaky Town is, from what I read... LA. So it's named after the earthquake-prone Los Angeles, but I also... Somebody also mentioned that might be a reference to San Francisco, since that's also an earthquake-prone town. But I looked at it in the sense that those guys were were living in LA, um, so this it would be taking them home. Yeah. Not only do these guys take them, these big trucks take their equipment all over the country, but at the end of it, they they bring their stuff home. They bring them home. So I felt like that's what it was, LA. Um, this one got a little bit country, a little bit maybe too country, but I do love the steel guitar in this one. Um, and then I, I, I guess the CB jargon in the chorus Loved got a little, was a little campy, I thought. I thought it was a little over the top, but the, the rest, the, ver, the verse part of the song, I like much better than the chorus. What came first, this song or Convoy? Oh, convoy! I, I mean, this isn't it. This is you can't even put this in the ballpark with convoy. This is not that kind of, not not that kind of trucker song. But I, I mean, like I say, once again, it he's fitting these pieces all together very masterfully. I mean, once again, this is a nod to the guys who drive the trucks that carry all this equipment from show to show and eventually back home to L.A. Yeah, Brooks, you're you're much younger than us. Do you even know what we're talking about with convoy? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> in the seventies, there was a fascination with long haul truckers. Uh, Convoy was a song based around that, and then I think they even Christopher Scottson starred in the movie. Yep, yeah, with uh, Ali McGraw. Ali McGraw. Yeah. I just watched that a couple and months Rocky, ago. Rocky's brother-in-law. I don't ever, can't remember his name. <gasps> Bert Young. Oh yeah, Bert Young. Yeah, horrible movie. It's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. It's it's one of those movies where if you're in that frame of mind to like do a mystery science theater type of, you know, just making fun of the dialogue and the, the stupid characters, you'll enjoy Convoy. But yeah, it's goofy. Um, all right. Brooks, we've talked a lot. We haven't heard enough from you. So what do you got? On, <laughs> what do you got on Shaky Town? Oh man, this is well. This this is my one. So uh, I guess um, I, you know a song has to get has to get the the weakest point. I don't know why I chose this my one. It's a great song, um, but it to me it and and it's recorded in a hotel room, but it it's got a different uh, sonic quality to it than than all the other things. Maybe because the uh, you know most of the other things aren't um, that are recorded in the hotel rooms aren't don't include drums or um, but yeah. yeah, I don't know. It, it always, when I get to this point in the record, it always kind of, uh, throws me off for some reason, but all right, it's a great song. It's a great song. It's, uh, I should give it another try, I guess. I dig this song. I gave this a seven. Um, Wayne, what was your score? I gave it a four. Okay. All right. Next song is love needs a heart.
uh, since since I keep um, not going to Brooks first, let's go to Brooks first. What do you got on Love Needs a Heart? Uh, well, it says it's uh, it was written with Valerie Carter and Lowell George, um, which uh, that must have been a really cool uh, writing session. And uh, this is the only one that was recorded in California, um, which Jackson, being a, being a California guy, um, looks like all the other recordings and for this uh, for this live album are back east. Um, yeah, uh, love needs a heart. It's a you know, it's a great song. This is actually my two. So um, right in the middle of this record, I kind of feel this punch in the gut for some reason. But uh, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I love I love it. It's it's so hard to give something a bad rating. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and if you're not familiar, Lowell George, that's the deceased first front man of Little Feet. Little feet, yeah, yeah, and then Valerie Carter. She would she recorded some of her own records, but she was more known for being kind of a, a backing vocalist for a number of artists. She actually did record a copy of this song for her own album, um, "The Way It Is" from 1996, uh, and I think Jackson returns the favor on backing vocals for her version. I only saw credits for the entire record that included a bunch of players and didn't give a track by track credits and it's not available on Spotify. So you'd have to go to YouTube if you want to hear it, but I'm pretty sure that's him on the backing vocals. So nice little, uh, you know, return in the favor. So it's cool. Um, Wayne, I think I like this song more than you do probably because of the harmonies. Yeah. Now, after hearing that running on empty is a six, I'm surprised this isn't your top score. I, I feel like it's a little schmaltzy. I feel like he covered this with uh, You Love the Thunder and Better. Um, I do love the line, proud and alone, cold as stone. That, uh, But this, I felt like this was a little schmaltzy. Got a little, and then the key, that easy listening keyboard in there. Uh, love it. Yeah. That's not the word I would. That's not the. That's not what that sound I made means. But okay. That's my sweet spot. Come on. All right. Um. So this is my eight, Wayne. Two. And then Brooks, your score. Two. All right. Let's get let let's get Brooks back on on track here because he didn't like the last two songs. So next song is <laughs> nothing but time. go brooks why, why is this one of your top songs okay yeah um i think just the the whole story of uh the recording of this being on the bus um coming from portland maine down to new jersey which uh a cool backstory of mine is my uncle uh greg who's a photographer was at the portland show and there's act there's a picture 
in the running on empty vinyl. Um, I think the, the fold out, um, picture is Jackson on stage and it's from that Portland show. My uncle has the exact same moment in his, from his camera, from his shot, um, which, no, no you know, way. wasn't the, wasn't used for the album, but it's literally the same, same moment in the show, uh, just a different angle, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, this song has always been uh, one of my go-to songs for, for Jackson. It's just a real feel-good song. And it, uh, the, you know, Russ Kunkel's playing a, a cardboard box for a bass drum. And, <laughs> and you can hear the bus, uh, you know, zooming in, uh, in yes. the background. It's, yeah, that's, I think that's so key to the There's major points on there. And you can totally, you can totally hear the, the, um, the, the, the bus driver giving a little gas at one point. <laughs> yeah. Wayne, what do you, that got? kind of breakdown part. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and it's, it's, it's bluesy, but I do like, like Brooke said, I love the fact that they, it's almost as if they wrote this on the fly. Like this song is about going from Portland, Maine to New Jersey on a silver legal bus. And they write a song about going from Portland, Maine to New Jersey on a silver Eagle bus and they and they knock it out of the park. Um, it, it's absolutely essential. It's absolutely brilliant. I mean, a, a band jamming on the bus and being able to capture that moment and and fit it in here. It was it's perfect. All right, your score, Wayne. Seven. And then Brooks. Eight. And this is my three. I'm I'm noticing a trend with my scores, Wayne. <laughs> I I think that any any time that there's a reference to, I I, I said three. Uh, I I think that that any time there is a reference to cocaine in the song, uh, <laughs> I didn't I didn't mean to come out prudish, but I think that my scores do gooder. Yeah, my scores are coming out as a do gooder. All right. Um, <laughs> Next song is the loadout. We do so many shows in a row. These towns all look the same. We just pass the time in the hotel rooms and wander around backstage till those lights come up and we hear that crowd. And we are we are definitely scoring the loadout and stay as two separate songs because technically the the track listing has them as two separate. So together, Wayne, you would have said that this was your top song. Absolutely, yes, absolutely. These two songs should never be played without each other. Um, if this was one track, it would have been my top score. Okay. Is is this the greatest song about life on the road, or is that Bob Seger's "Turn the Page"? Um, uh, I I would pref- I would say this one more, so, and I don't even know if this. I was just thinking of a song earlier this week, and I'm just completely drawing a blank. I think "Turn the Page" gets a lot more credit than it deserves. It's better than "Dead or Alive," but it's not. I don't know that it's the best depiction. To me, this if it was one track, it goes through this whole metamorphosis that that summarizes this whole concept i mean yeah he gives some some love to the roadies in the first two sections 
but it's not necessarily a tribute because um, he starts, you know, they go into that section where he talks about being in the band and just wandering around and spending 23 hours of your day waiting for these two hours. And, and, and those two hours all hinge on these people in the seats that at the end of the night are going to go home. It's, and then at the and then when that ends, they go seamlessly into, don't leave us, please stay. We want to do this, this more. I like to say as one track, this is an epic summarization of this whole concept. Okay. Yeah. This is the ultimate, uh, ultimate closing song uh and you know for one but just uh i don't know of any other songs that are written so honestly about that experience of of being this traveling musical uh you know thing creating moments for people every night uh it's just a beautiful beautiful uh interpretation you know interpretation of of that life yeah. Um all right. This was uh this was a top 20 top 20 hit. Um I'm I was trying to figure out so I I looked on Google and I found a copy of the single and it was just loadout. There was no stay attached to it, but at some point I know the AOR stations were playing this together because I don't recall. I know I've never heard the song not played both tracks. Right, exactly. They're, it's always played together. So, hmm. um, all right. So let's let's score loadout, Wayne, a nine, and Brooks nine, and this is my ten, and then we're going to talk about stay. Yes, stay is a. It's a cover. Uh, was first recorded with Maurice Williams and the Zodiacs. This was a number one hit for them in 1960. Do you have? Do you know any of the trivia on this? Of, I don't know how to to, to phrase this as a trivia question. So. Stay is the shortest single ever to reach the top of the charts. So the original version is only one minute and 36 seconds in length. Wow. That is impressive. Yeah. Do you know what 80s movie it's featured in, Wayne? Dirty Dancing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, And Brooks is too young. He's probably never watched that. (laughs) You ever seen Dirty Dancing? Yeah, I've seen Dirty Dancing. Okay, all right, all right. Maybe you're not 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 that young. Um, 
who who is singing the parts on on this? David Lindley and yeah, Rosemary David Butler. Butler. Okay. Do we have anything else to say on stay? Like I say, it's just a perfect culmination. And when you when you they seamlessly go into it from loadout from the loadout, so it it get that it's a, a plea to the audience, you know. Just let us one more song. It's the promoter's all right. The union's all right. Let's just let us, you know, cheer and we'll play again. We'll play more. We'll keep playing all night if you let us. So they actually do want to continue to play. Whereas. Well, like I say, just from the loadout, this is what they wander around backstage. And this is why they travel the country. And, and this is for these two hours. Yeah. That's this whole, their whole life. 20, you know, 22 of 24 hours is waiting to get to this point and and doing anything you can to keep it going. So in other words, this is not what Hall & Oates are now singing because I felt like the one time I saw them a couple of years ago, they phoned it in. <laughs> Anyways. I guess, I, I guess at some point, you know what? The part, you know, the, the honeymoon's over. All right. Yeah, I think the you know the obviously the combination of the loadout and the stay and and stay uh, being the closing, I would imagine it was the closing song of of that evening. Which, mind you, that it's w- was recorded the same concert as Running on Empty and the same day as the the hotel uh, recording of the road, the portion of the road. So. Maybe that when they were singing, uh, you know, people stay, we we want to play longer. And then they really did want to play longer and, and went back to the hotel room and recorded more. You know, it's like it's incredible that they were that inspired um, and that ties in with the whole concept of the album. And it's pretty, pretty cool. So I'm going to guess that that was at the beginning of their tour and not at the end of the tour. Yeah. Uh, yeah, August twenty seventh, right? And then the I think the later dates were uh, September. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, this is my five as a standalone. Wayne, I gave it an eight, but a lot of that is based on what it means to the whole record. Yeah, and then Brooks. Yeah, five for the standalone. Yeah. All right, so Wayne, you've already thrown the gauntlet down that if this was together, you would have called it a ten. Brooks, would you have called it a, your ten? It would have been my uh, nine still probably okay. running on empty. Yeah. just kills it for me. So, okay. All right. That works. All right. Did we cover everything? Did we miss anything? I think we got it. I think we got it all. I think so too. All right. Um, I don't even want to go through the top five cause you're going to make fun of me again. <laughs> so number one song, based on scores is the loadout. Cause I, I um, gave a lower score on running on empty. I'm sorry. <laughs> I really am. That's, that's our second song. All right. We've got a three way tie for third. So Rosie, nothing but time and then stay. That was our three way tie. Ah. All right. So I, I, I could be happy with that top five, even though it doesn't have shaky town or, Love needs a heart that I scored pretty high, but I'm I'm still okay with that. <laughs> guys, okay with that? I guess we'll yeah. have to be. Yeah, <laughs> it's not like you settling there, Wayne. <laughs> well, 
Right. It's late. It is late. Got lots of drink. Did, did I mention that I'm tired? All right. Um, <laughs> Brooks, this was fun. Yeah, this was great. I'm sorry if I was not thank a um, so spirited uh, host today, but um, thank you. Thank you so much for picking this. Always good to talk about Jackson Brown. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is my first podcast ever, so uh, I appreciate you guys nice. for for having me on this. Yeah, absolutely, a lot of fun. Absolutely. So, so tell all, all of our listeners where they can find all your happenings. Uh, well, the happenings are slow these days, but uh, you can you can catch me on Thursday nights on my Facebook. If you know, <laughs> unless that shut it down. Better you better go to YouTube. Uh, you know, first, but. Uh, yeah, Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, I do my Spread Love TV live stream um, set every every Thursday at 8 p.m. And you can find all my music on Spotify and Amazon and, and YouTube and, and all those places. Brooks Hubbard, Brooks Hubbard Band. Uh, my website's brookshubbardmusic.com. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty pretty easy to find out there. Perfect. So those sessions that you're doing, uh, is that just your music or are you, are you covering, you know, songs like, um, running on empty? Yeah, I do a mix of everything. So I try to make it different every time, uh, just so it's fresh and kind of, you know, weekly thing I'll, I'll throw in cover songs. I'll throw in songs that I learned that day. I'll throw in, um, I do co a lot of co-writing being, you know, in Nashville, and even with this pandemic through zoom and all that stuff. Yeah. So I've got a lot of new material to kind of get out there and get a vibe for. So it's a great, it's actually a great thing, even if we weren't in a pandemic to, to do a live stream and, and sort of connect that way. Um, it feels very, um, it's, you know, it's not practice. I try to make it like a performance, but it, it in a way is like a comedian going into a, you know, open mic or something. Sure. Yeah. You're keeping, uh, you're keeping the, the keeping chops. Yeah. Keeping, keeping the saw sharpened. That's right. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, last question. So, um, we ask all of our guests, who do you know that I don't know who should join us on this podcast to revisit one of their favorite records? And you can't say Liz cause we've, <laughs> we've already, we've already had her on. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta listen to her, uh, her episode did Joni Mitchell's blue. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a great pick. Wow. Um, yeah. So I would have to say, uh, my friend, Chris Moyce, who's a great singer songwriter in Nashville and he's originally from Connecticut, another East coast boy. Um, yeah, you should, you guys should check out Chris Moyce. Okay. How do you spell the last name? M O Y S E. Okay. All right. Well, we shall do that. All right. And as a reminder, you can find all of our old episodes by going to recordsrevisitedpodcast.com. I'm on Facebook. Um, I don't think I'm going to get kicked off because I don't do any live things on Facebook right now. Um, Records Revisited Podcast, or you can find us on Twitter at Podcast Records. Wayne, tell tell our folks about the Instagram. At Records Revisited Podcast. All right. And you can find all of our episodes on all the major podcast platforms apple Podcasts, Castbox, stitcher iHeartMedia, spotify google Podcasts. uh not on amazon yet that's new i haven't 
gone there yet. I don't know. It would feel weird if I asked Alexa to play Records Revisited podcast. <laughs> I don't know. Just would be weird anyways um please go subscribe and rate or review us on on all those platforms so thanks for listening please go support the arts i would tell you to go to a live show but um you can do that on youtube go find brooks out there on the youtube yeah buy a t-shirt of the band buy a record you can still go visit a record store just mask up when you do okay just it's not hard put a mask on We are Records Revisited, and we are out. out. (laughs) We love it when we're not in sync. All right, stop. (laughs)